Great Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 17th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 19th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we are in just this really kind of interesting phase. I feel like a lot of the texts the last couple weeks, especially when I'm trying to look at them scientifically, are very similar. There's a lot of similarities, a lot of things that we're kind of going through that's very similar, which can be really helpful because it pushes us to continue to think about things that we otherwise maybe would overlook. And especially when we're looking at it from the perspective of a scientist, this is something that we should be doing. You know, if I look at the last couple of weeks, we've talked about giving credit to all who deserve it. And we talked about the green fluorescent protein and how the initial person who did the initial legwork didn't get the Nobel. We talked about last week the people who have been overlooked in other scientific discoveries. And as you'll find this week, the main idea that I was able to pull from this is wisdom. And having wisdom to be able to have discerning ears and be able to pull and decide what makes sense is a really difficult task in and of itself, but yet it's the core principle to who we are of people of faith and who we are as people working within a scientific field. You're trying to find the truth. You're trying to find the essence of what is actually going on. So before we jump into that, let's look at last week's Twitter question, which was having you reflect on times that you've gone and spent time and thank people for the different times that they've given you and been able to work with you and giving these thank yous of people that you maybe weren't able to say in the time, in the place, the thank yous that they deserved at that time and really evaluating those times. I know for me this last week, personally, I had an English teacher back in high school that I felt was really misunderstood. And as I've reflected on my time and had more time away, he was a teacher that was trying to prepare students for the real world in a different way, not necessarily through workload or something like that, more of sometimes the world has a sharpness to it and you need to be able to react to it in a positive way. And I overheard them this last week that he has passed away. So rest in peace, Harlem Kruger. But it was a teacher that I feel was misunderstood. But then also, as you got time away, people really did grow to enjoy. And I think there's a lot of times in life we find that we don't do a great job at going through and recognizing and giving thanks to people of making sure people recognize the power of what they're doing and giving that acknowledgement to them in that time and in that space. So let's just jump into it this week. There's a lot of text and a couple things we'll have to explain along the way. So the alternative Old Testament text is Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 to 31. This is a fascinating read, definitely worth it. And what I really enjoy is it's showing the culture of the woman of the people of that time and how she's a businesswoman and making sure that the household's running, but also preparing textiles for going out in the marketplace and making sure that the family's running and bringing in income and doing a lot of the business side of things. And to me, 
it kind of is interesting because it also talks about taking care of the poor and taking care of the family and all these different things. And so there are moments that you really see the divine nature of God in this. And that there are moments as I'm reading it and it's like, oh, wow, it's God being looked at as a female. But it's really interesting when you get to the last few verses and it talks about then how women are supposed to fear the Lord and that's one of the things that we're looking for. So this idea of how much we can serve and take care of other people and having the wisdom to know how to serve and take care of all these different people and to keep our eyes alert and awake for all these different things going on around us. But recognizing that there's only so much that we can do, that it's really God who is able to push us into that next direction and really be able to overcome the challenges of the day. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 1. And this continues on that idea of happy are they who do not follow the voices of the wicked or the things that are trying to pull us away from God, but are meditating with God, even if it means that we are looked at weird by the rest of the world at this time and in this place because God is going to continue to work with us and like the chaff, the stuff that isn't necessary for making wheat, the byproducts, the protection products will get blown away and the actual wheat, the good parts will be left in the judgment. Another alternative text this week is from the Wisdom of Solomon which is part of the Apocrypha as a Protestant or still part of the Old Testament and the Catholic Church, kind of this in-between the Old Testament and New Testament section. That the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 16 through chapter 2, verse 1, and verses 12 to 22, also in chapter 2. And it's talking about how we are sometimes so short-sighted in trying to trick our way and trying to take shortcuts to us getting to understand God or what we can get away with. And that's not what God is trying to do. Not trying to test God so that we can figure out where the boundaries are, but he's trying to have this devotion of, how about you just follow me and trust me and not try putting me to the test. The Old Testament reading then is from Jeremiah chapter 11 verses 18 to 20. This text comes in the midst of Jeremiah talking about how Israel and Judah have broken the covenant and right before he's being told that he is getting some death threats and then is going to complain to God, this section comes in the middle of that. And it's this idea of, I know what God is telling me to do. And there are times it feels like if I'm doing what God is telling me to do, I'm leaving behind all these things of the world that can potentially then lead me to death. Just lead me astray. Just don't bring life to me. And so this interesting interplay this week between those two. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 54. This is a short little seven verse psalm, but again, it's recognizing that as we 
give God our ear, as we give God our time, as we lay into God and realize that God is a helper, that God is the listener of our prayers, that we are making our time and work and effort toward God, that then there is deliverance, there is things where God does help us, but it means that we need to continue to rely on God. We need to continue to put trust into God. The New Testament reading is from the fourth week in a row out of James, chapter 3, verse 13, to chapter 4, verse 3, and then verses 7 to 8a. And this is, again, the whole idea of wisdom and that this is not something that's earthly or unspiritual or devilish, but it is not envy or selfish ambition But it's to be a peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality or hypocrisy. So it's this soft, this warm, this loving grace, you could say, that that's where wisdom comes from. But it's something that if we're not seeing that in our lives, that it's a lot of times that we are not engaging with it in the correct way, that we're not making sure that we are going through that list and really making sure that we are equaling the playing field, if you want to say it that way, and that we are trying to submit ourselves to God to be able to let go of things that would pull us astray and draw near to God so that God can draw near to us. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 9 verses 30 to 37. So this picks up a few verses after what we had last week. So in between, we've had the transfiguration of our Lord and we had the last time where Jesus casts a demon out of an exorcism out of a child. And so Jesus then is still passing through the region of Galilee and he's continuing this teaching of that The Son of Man is to be betrayed by human hands. They'll kill him, and after three days of being killed, he will rise. People are really wondering, what does this all mean? On the way to Capernaum, Jesus overhears that his disciples are arguing. He's kind of asking, what are you guys arguing about? And they kind of go quiet because they've been arguing about who's the greatest among them. And Jesus then comes through with whoever wants to be first must be last of all and a servant of all. And then he takes the child into his arm. Whoever welcomes one in my name welcomes me. And the one who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but the one who sent me. This is where the text ends. So this idea again of the wisdom that's kind of coming through Jesus in this moment. So before we talk about how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to bring you this podcast. I love looking at their different commentaries, their discussions, their Working Preacher podcasts. I use these resources to help bring you this podcast weekly. But the other resource that I really enjoy using is a lectionary coming from the library of Vanderbilt.edu. I really like how they lay out all the text each week, along with having art, which I think it's so interesting to see how different artists from around the world have interpreted these texts on a week-to-week basis. So, if you haven't checked out Working Creature or the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu's library, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these 
sources. There's two things before we jump into the science that I really want to dig into. And the first is that last verse coming from the gospel text, verse 37. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. When I was in text study this last week, talking about that text, the welcome with the original Greek could be translated to accept. So then it reads, whoever accepts one such child in my name accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts not only me, but the one who sent me. And for me, there's a key difference there of accepting. Because there's a difference between welcoming someone in and accepting someone in. It's the process of letting go of things. And it ties into this idea that we've kind of been bringing up of wisdom. Having the wisdom to be able to discern the difference between what is going on and what the world is trying to work with us in. It's difficult. And it's something a lot of times within science ourselves we struggle with. We wrestle with. And we've talked about it multiple times in this podcast before, and we're going to get into it a little bit this week. It's the power of peer-reviewed journals. Now, are peer-reviewed journals perfect? No. I'll even attach stuff down below where there's an article coming from five years ago from SciShow talking about things that are being worked on and talked about and discussed on how do we make scientific journals better because there is human processes in there and wanting certain things and having biases towards certain things. And is that a waste of time and resources if we can do more peer reviewing? What is peer reviewing? Peer reviewing is the process of taking an article and having others in the field looking through the research, looking through the paper, seeing if it's interesting, if it's pushing it forward. Is it looking at things, checking facts. But the other reason that I like how peer-reviewed and scholarly journals work is the process of that you can't blindly come out and say things. Science is the process of building upon itself. So you need to be able to reference different places, different ideas, giving places for people to be able to understand this is what we are building upon. If this part doesn't make sense, reference to this article that was done on this to help you better understand this. It's a process of building upon itself better understanding. It's just like what we go through as a student in school. You don't stay with the idea of two plus two equals four. At some point, you expand your knowledge of math to be able to do more complex problems, but it starts at the basic fundamentals. And a lot of times with scholarly articles, you have to be able to at least resource back to what are you building off of? What was the last thing that you're building off of? Where are some of the ideas that you're coming from? What are they building off of? So that if we find later that something is wrong, then it might sway some of this research, may make us reconsider different parts of it. This whole process is a process of being able to discern better, thus being able to have wisdom to be able to understand something more. In that process, it's a humbling process, 
It's a process that you cannot just say this is the be all end all. And as we've talked about multiple times in this podcast, good science doesn't just provide an answer to that question and opens up the door to more questions. It shouldn't just be like this is the answer. It's well, this answers this question, but now it, we have more questions. That's the difficult thing with science. There's not necessarily absolutes. Heck, even when we're doing research, you're looking at something with usually 95% confidence intervals, looking at the probability of it just happening by chance and figuring that if there's a 5% chance or less, that's been considered in most fields good enough. There's still then the probability of something happening by chance. And thus, you do more studies, hopefully kind of lowers that probability of things just happening purely by chance. Thus, being able to have the wisdom and the confidence to proceed in a way that we're confident that this result is going to happen. But in doing that, it means that we aren't just pumping up ourselves. It means that we have to be able to work together. Having a peer-reviewed journal and having people who are there to say, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Maybe this needs a little bit more time to bake. Maybe have you thought about this? Maybe your interpretation of this, is that really the best way to be interpreting this data? And right now, the process of different scientific journals rethinking their processes of how do we select journals, how do we pick what is the best way of processing and understanding this is wisdom. I really like this part coming from James, the beginning of chapter four. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and you cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflict. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How often do we personally try drawing in to be concerned purely about the self? Or we are causing or pointing the finger and saying there's a dispute because it's directly affecting us. And we don't think about how is this affecting the church, the family of God. How often we are quick to make judgments because it's something that directly affects me instead of thinking about the we. And hopefully in science, because of the collaborative nature, typically, it helps us to think about things in the we. Heck, when you're having a paper go through the processes of being peer-reviewed, it has to be multiple people looking it over and having you rethink things, having you consider things. This is a process that you have to be critical to help be able to figure out the truth. It's amazing how not even really that long ago in human history, if we want to think about it, if you think about 500 years really isn't that long and just how far in 500 years, but heck, even in two to 300 years, how far we've come with our understanding of the world around us, the nature around us, the ideas of spontaneous generation 
of just things just appear. There hasn't been scientific backing for that. Those theories have been kind of put to the side. There's lots of different theories that have come and gone, and I can even attach them down below because we've spent more time working with these, dealing with these. That takes wisdom, that takes time, that takes understanding, that takes the process of being able to discern what is God calling us to understand. In a world that's sometimes so worried about being first, it's not worried about getting it correct. I think it's something that we really need to discern. I think about it from sports trade rumors is one of the best ones of how the teams haven't announced it, but there's rumors and it's all but confirmed and how multiple times all but confirmed something happens and it falls apart. Failed physical or some twist right at the end, a medical report that doesn't come back the same way they expected, and it falls through. And the damage at times that that's caused players. Are we not doing that to ourselves with this idea of news machines working so fast that it doesn't even matter that things are correct? That we aren't doing our due diligence to understand the due diligence of who is doing due diligence and who isn't doing due diligence, and thus causing war within ourselves. And I think within that, that means it takes a community of us to put aside our biases and actually dig into what is the motives, what are the reasons, who are these different things, what is being done, or is this something that just in theory, maybe this would work, and so then this is, that doesn't fly in the world of science. You have to have some type of backing and be able to have some type of repeatable results and think through it and have, be able to discern out the wisdom that comes from it. Brothers and sisters, I think this is something that we really need to think about in this time and in this place. We need to be able to be civil. We need to be able to discern. And that means we need to be able to listen. Yes, that means listening to one another and being open enough to hear what they have to say, but listening for the Holy Spirit, listening for God speaking to us, being around other believers and saying, this is what God is saying to me. Does this make sense with what God is saying to you? Because we are one body. So the tour question I have for you this week is very introspective. What wisdom as a body could we understand? What wisdom as a body of Christ could we understand? Because I think... We struggle being able to listen to each other as a body and being critical and being able to say, I don't believe this and this is why, and being able to, when that is calling you out directly, being able to listen to that. It's hard, but it's taking wisdom to be able to decipher and to be able to work through these different things. And it also means, even if you are right, to walk alongside and not ridicule and be hypocritical of people who had it wrong. It's a hard thing. We sometimes really are concerned with who's right and who's wrong and sometimes then we lose the grace of God in that. Because that's the thing I see in this gospel text that's really quite interesting. Jesus knows they're arguing who's being the greatest and then realizes no, it's about accepting me and walking alongside. That's what's important. And welcoming them in and accepting them in, instead of arguing which one is first and which one is last. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.